Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. I'm your host, Dr. Pat Basili. This is our street smart tip. That's it. Spirituality Hour. Uh, joining you here tonight, we're connecting people from all over the world. We love doing this. I'm so thrilled. I'm so blessed that all of you have decided to tune us in and turn us on each and every day. And, you know, part of what we're giving back is, of course, in the way of the holistic, make, holistic makeover and the Pay It Forward campaign that we've launched. We're going to be announcing the winners next week. We're very excited about that and much more. So thank you for joining us here tonight. I, I want to introduce you to uh, my guest tonight. And, and let me just tell you a little bit about uh, about Jerry. Jerry Winstrom's joining us here tonight. You know, this is an individual that, you know, knows about transformation, understands it, and is helping all of us to get the same sense of that as well. Artist, author, born in New York City. Yep, I just got to find out where he was born in New York City. But, you know, for someone joining the show today, you know, he's, he's kind of like most of us, you know, question the limits of his creative life, you know, question the limits of life, period. And so he's got a very compelling, very powerful story that he'll share with us. But he also has a very unusual uh, story that he tells in his book. So we're thrilled to have him join us here today, The Inspired Heart, An Artist's Journey of Transformation. And so the forward of this book is by Thomas Moore. And, you know, for many of us, what is the artist's journey? What is transformation? What is it that we can do, each of us, to understand what our limits are, and what they're not. And so he's joining us here today as someone that, you know, writes a monthly column called Between the Lines for, uh, you know, Inferential Focus, a New York City consulting firm and think tank. And more importantly, somebody that is willing to share what he has learned with all of us. Jerry, thank you for joining us here tonight. Thank you, Dr. Patton. Thank you to your audience. So, Jerry, i got to ask you a burning question. Yeah. Where were you born in New York? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was actually not born in New York City. I was born out of the, just outside of the city in Nyack, New York. Uh huh. Beautiful place. It Beautiful. Is. And being born in the Bronx, I certainly traveled up that way from time to time. <laughs> oh. So, you know, Jerry, part of this is looking at the journey um, and looking at the decisions we make, but also looking at, you know, what it means to be transformed. And I want to ask you the question, you know, along the way, your life, you know, the questions have to do with, you know, how does one go from artist to uh, to transformational leader, someone that is leading the, the, the folks to, to show them the way of how to do this? And so the question that comes up is, you know, what happened along the way for you? What challenges, what obstacles came along that you had to overcome to bring you to this very moment? Well, I mean, I think I certainly did not set out to be any kind of a transformational teacher, and I still don't I necessarily identify with that. 
I think when we have had a radical breakthrough in our own lives, that's um, being there for others going through their changes is a sort of natural byproduct of that. But, um, you know, what brought me around to that place, I, I think... You know, it's like any, you know, Yogananda says to take a boat across the river. Once you get to the other side, you don't drag it with you. And I felt art had taken me, taken me as far as I could go with that particular vehicle. And there was a place where I just had to let it go and, and you know, take on another form of travel, you might say. How hard was it for you to let that go? I mean, how hard was the journey to let go of art i mean i it's hard for me to imagine and yet i know that you know for for early, the early years in my life i lived and breathed to be able to do the art that was so important to me yeah well in many ways it was the meta, it was a real metaphoric death experience and it, and you know it's indistinguishable from literal death in some way because my my whole identity was completely tied up in being an artist. I was extremely driven. I had a huge body of work. I was known for what I did. And to let that go, at, you know, at some level, there was that terror. On the flip side of it, you know, this came about after feeling like art was no longer serving, serving me in the way that it had. <clears throat> And after fasting for a month, I got really clear that I could keep doing what I was doing, but it felt like a fear-based choice. Or I could give myself to this thing I was sensing, and it was this incredible abstract allurement that to give it up and to let it go was to, would help me to get to the place where I wasn't able to get to by way of my will, intelligence, and good intentions. And so it was a kind of sacrifice, you know, sacrifice, you know, not a deliberate thing I set out to do, but the meaning of sacrifice means to make sacred. And so in destroying my work and letting go of that identity, you know, the paradox of the sacrifice is it was, in fact, sanctified, and I'm doing art again, I have a new large body of work, but the paradox is I became more known as an artist for destroying my work than I ever did for creating it. <laughs> and to me, that, too, is just part of the mystery of, of that kind of surrender in any form. I, you know, it's really interesting uh, that you say that. This is really a great conversation, Jerry, and I know probably not the one you thought we were going to have, but there is, there is you know, so much power in talking about uh, how, the destruction of your art, and, and let me just say where you know tell you where I'm coming from. You know, part of this is a conversation that we know a lot about. We just don't really know it in terms of how this shows up in our day to day. You know, many people refer to it as clearing out the, the the old, getting rid of the clutter, getting rid of things that don't serve us anymore, um, creating a vacuum, and 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 yeah, paradoxically, look here you are. Uh, one who probably destroyed work that you were so closely attached to, yet opening up a whole new door, a whole new platform, and a whole conversation. Do you see this as a way that you had to sort of clear yourself, cleanse yourself of that part of your life, as well as the art that you did? Well, you know, I, I didn't necessarily define it as that. It was more just a sense of something greater that, 
You know, there's a wonderful saying, I quote it a lot, but I, I, I need to quote it again, by Yogananda who says, to set out on any holy purpose and to die along the way is to succeed. And in a lot of ways, you know, we can't really get to that place of inspired beauty by way of our own um, efforts and will and everything we think we have available, you know, as we begin our careers as young people. There has to be a kind of place where we, where in, at some level, everything fails us. You know, everything we think we have available, all of a sudden, it's no longer useful. And it really is the place of a kind of quantum leap where you have to trust in something unseen and all you can do is sense your way along. I and think- You know, it's funny you mentioned quantum leap. I've been talking about it all week, Jerry. <laughs> I've been talking about quantum leap all week because myself and, you know, a very dear friend of mine, we, we co-facilitated a workshop last Sunday, a very brief one, but a very powerful one on quantum leap. And, you know, and what that means to know that here you are at point A wanting to get to point B, and quantum leap means that we don't really stop along the way. We go from A to B, so to speak. And so in what you've created along the way, you know, part of this has to do with looking at your life and some of the other experiences that you have. I mean, what was the emotional equivalent of the destruction of your art, what other, what things can we point to in life? What was the meaning of that for you? Well, being an artist, and I'm sure many artists, and even not artists, I mean, any creative venture, anyone who has lived out their creativity, whether business, raising children, whatever, whatever we do, you sort of come to find that there's a place in the in the smaller cycles of our creation. There's a place where we have to always take a little risk. And so, you know, in other words, we have a kind of status quo, a place that succeeded for us or worked well in the past. And we come up against that place and, and to sort of hold on to it is to, is to keep things partially dead in a mm. certain way. You know, oh. it's not an inspired choice. Except to risk it and to take a risk at that place and do something new because the moment calls for it. That's the place inspiration comes through. So in the laboratory of the studio, I, I got very good at that in the safety of that small container. But I felt like in the larger cycle of my life, and this was at age 29, something astrologers call Saturn return where, you know, everything is up for grabs. No kidding. <laughs> it's like all of my life was asking the same sort of rhythm, the, the, the rhythm of that, of that template was sort of in place in the entirety of my life. And so everything my life was about was requiring that same kind of sacrifice. So by the time I was there, having gone through that creative process in the studio, I was really ready for it. I I trusted it enough. I sensed what was possible. But it was, you know, the largest thing I've ever done and, and the most important. And, you know, let's talk about that. Uh, from uh, from an esoterical point of view for a minute. So most people will say, okay, you must have heard the voice of God or goddess or the universe, you know, that, that drove you to do that. Uh, how would you describe the inspiration, motivation, or declaration of that act for you? Well, it's, first of all, 
there were many whispers along the way. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I say, I, 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 there's, you know, the gods whisper before they scream. So in other words, if we're tracking and we're, we're, we're open to inspiration, there are many things that are sort of nudging us along. And so all of that was in place. You know, but the the sort of big moment, in a, in a way, it was a sense of greater beauty, you know, I, and there's no other way to put it. To stay in the place of safety, where the status quo that I described in the smaller cycle, it felt at some level like to accept lesser reality and to, and to sort of relinquish my birthright for that which I sensed was possible. But there were no guarantees, and that was the terror, you know, because... The thing I was giving myself to, I mean, I also gave all my money away. I mean, I gave everything away, and I, I trusted life exactly as it came after that. So, you know, it looked everything like nothing. So literally, there was, there was no reasonable way to go about this. But intuitively, there was something extremely exciting about the possibility that I sensed, and it proved to be true. It proved to be you know, the thing that really radically transformed my life. And, and, you know, I want to mention to everyone tuning in, for those of you that are just popping in right now, we want to, first of all, welcome you to the Dr. Pat Show. Um, and I want to make sure that everybody knows out there that Jerry Wenstrom is joining me here today. Personal transformation is what we're talking about tonight. And, you know, his book, The Inspired Heart, An Artist's Journey of Transformation, it tells this extraordinary story of, you know, this exploration into the source of his creativity and much more. Um, and, you know, Jerry, you know, part of this, um, of course, we've talked about here with regard to letting go, moving beyond, probably taking something so precious for you and 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 moving away from it. It's an amazing journey. It's an amazing story. So as we fast forward to the current day right now, um, how would you describe the that act, that letting go of your art, how would you describe that in terms of being a catalyst for who you are today? Well, you know, in many ways, there's, you know, the Christian notion of eternal life, and this isn't just a Christian idea or a Christian in Christian theology. It's it's a sort of basic in our in our human um, story. But the idea of eternal life is is like if you, I here's what I've come to: if you can let the gods know you mean business one good time and walk in, you know, to that death. The Christians say, until you die and are reborn, you don't experience eternal life. If, if at whatever level, whatever we are given, and we don't have to go looking for it, it comes to us, if you can give yourself to that loss of identity and loss of control and, and go through that death, what comes is like a promise. And that promise becomes the thing that sustains your life. So how it applies to my life now, there are still cycles where I have to let go. And in the letting go, what washes over my life is it is the eternal it's the promise that i was given the grace of that moment one good time in in letting you know in just jumping in completely into that emptiness and so the promise comes through i mean right on at some level right on cue and in some way renews and and replenishes my reality whatever it is so in other words the cycles of of 
you know, as the Hindus that teach, the cycles of birth and death come around over and over again. Mm. But what you're given and how it, how it works for life for the rest of your life is that you know how to go through it. You know how to surrender at that point. And it's the place of renewal rather than for most of our lives, it's the place where we're bowled over again and again. And then we scramble to create buffers around the possibility. We think if we just have enough money or if we just, you know, have the perfect family or the perfect life, then we won't, you know, this death experience will not get us again. But, you know, it keeps coming until we incorporate it into the totality of our life, and it becomes our trump card. It becomes our greatest gift, not what we do, but our ability not to do when there's nothing more to be done. Oh, boy, isn't that a lesson? You know, isn't that a lesson, Jerry? Uh, I want to make sure everybody has the website. There, that um, it's, First of all, it's a beautiful re- website. There's lots of information, but it's also a serious invitation for many of us. Um, leap of faith, quantum leap, whatever you want to call it. You know, there are stories here in, in the book that are meant, I believe, to inspire folks to really take action or, or not. Uh, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but I want to make sure everybody, Jerry, has the website. So how about the handsofalchemy.com? Is that the website you want to give out to folks tonight? Yes, that's our website. So one of the questions that I had in both looking at the book and, and, and thinking about your own personal journey, which is some people, I guess, would call extremely courageous, um, having faith, leap, leap of faith, um, a renewal of oneself. I mean, there are many directions we could go. Um, but let's talk about this personal experience that you had. And I guess let's talk about it sort of on the heels of what people call a historic election. Um, in, in how do we take that personal experience, the artist's, you know, you, your, as an artist, your personal experience, how do we take that and bring it now to the bigger picture of society, the bigger picture of the earth, the bigger, the bigger picture of oneness, so to speak? Well, I mean, I, in many ways, you know, I think those of us, and there are many of us, who are who are tracking and who are sensitive to the spirit of the time, the zeitgeist, I think we are being asked to, to make the leap first at some level. I mean, how it applies now, I feel my story makes more sense now than it ever did in what we're going through in America. You know, America is having to let go of its identity just like I did. It didn't make sense in 1979 what I was giving myself to, Although life, you know, in the way it unfolded, it, it was, you know, it, I, it carried my life so completely. But now, I mean, in some way, that difficult process of learning to dance that happened at that time is now the music is playing, and the music is the reality of the collective and the thing we're going through. We are having to, as a collective, let go and go through an experience like I did personally in 1979. And I think, again, there are many people who have gone through it in their own way, and they are here to to be in the service of this larger shift that we're all in. And it really is like a death. I mean, in many ways, and we can handle it just like many of us are handling it, like our, in, in ways like our last administration. We can either go through the death and let go of our identity and let something new be born, or we can behave badly and go and take from other people or, or, or do whatever it takes to survive, however, however 
ugly our behavior is. And so we always have that choice. So how does it apply to all of us? We're all in the best seat in the house, and everyone's coming up against a place that is, you know, very scary and, and has the appearance of death. But within that is the, is the place, to, the best place to be and the place for that transformation to happen. So it applies to the world in that this is where we are at as a collective. You know, I love what you talked about, about it, it feeling and being like a death. And, you know, there, there are many ways that that shows up, whether it's metaphysically, whether it's on our day-to-day life, whether it's, you know, losing 20 pounds. You're kind of giving, you know, you're kind of burying some of that, you know, that stuff that doesn't serve you any, any longer from that perspective. So, you know, part of this is, you know, beginning a new life. And that's actually what you've done. This is your first book, correct? Yes. What is what was this like writing this book for you? I mean, this is pretty different, I would say, in some respects, to you know the wonderful art and the paintings and the beautiful things that you create. Yeah. Well, it was really incredibly and surprisingly easy because, for one thing, at that stage in my life, I, I often describe it like riding your bicycle. I was pedaling my bicycle as fast as I could. And I couldn't go any faster. And I, I had so many people coming into my life and wanting to know my story and, you know, in relation to their own struggles and difficulties. And so I always had this experience to, and particular stories to share with people. And so when, when I was asked to write the book, it, it came at a time when I was getting tired of my own story. I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. And I felt like writing the book was like an, like a download. I had all these stories. I've been speaking them forever since 1979. So being asked to write the book, it was interesting because I didn't know how to use a computer. I didn't even know how to turn on a computer. My, this publisher contacted me and said, you know, she had seen the parabola video made about my life called In the Hands of Alchemy. And she asked if I wanted to write a book. So I said, sure, when do you want it? She said, four months. I did it in four months. And it was magic. It was just pure magic. I mean, I don't feel like, I mean, I didn't know how to write. I don't even consider myself a writer, although now I am a professional writer. Yes, you are. <laughs> interesting. I still have trouble identifying with it. I mean, I wasn't a great student. I didn't write very much in my life, but it all just sort of fell into my lap. Well, you know, it fell into your lap. And what's interesting about this, for those of you just tuning in, I'm, I'm really thrilled that uh, Jerry is able to join us here for a very, very powerful story. Uh, and, you know, there are lessons in here, and I would love to hear what some of them are, Jerry. But first, I want to make sure that everybody out there has your website. And so the website in itself is a visual feast for those of you listening to the show. You can go to handsofalchemy.com, handsofalchemy.com. Um, take a look at the, the inside of the book a bit there and much more. You know, as you wrote the book and you shared the stories, were you thinking, oh, there are some lessons here, there are some messages here um, that you wanted to have people absorb and, and learn from? You know, I, I couldn't presume that I knew that much about what other people needed. Mm-hmm. It was more like... I knew the spirit of the journey as it unfolded was so completely powerful for me that I had, I didn't have a lot of options but to pay attention. 
And so in writing the book, I trusted that to be true to the spirit of that journey. And of course, you know, writing a book, you can write about a million things. What I tried to do was stay in touch with the essential spirit and transformational moment where story, this particular story told in a book changed my life. In other words, I came up against absolute limitation and fear, and there were these moments of radical shift. And so, I, you know, in, in writing the book, I really lived, relived the stories, just as I do in telling the stories for people who are, who are suffering. I mean, it, and I simply, I trusted that that would be enough. I didn't know, I mean, you know how certain epiphanies work in a certain way. You know, people tell you things happen, and you had no idea that, you know, that wasn't your intent. You have no idea, but you come to trust that the gods know what they're doing, and, you, and if you just sort of follow the, the, the what is of your, of your life and of your journey, then that is the most useful thing you can do. And I, so, you know, to think about doing something for other people in that kind of way, it's a very good notion, but I can't claim that I had any, a whole lot to do at that level. You know, there's a wonderful quote in the Bhagavad Gita which huh. says, goodness is the final obstacle to God. I mean, that would have been a good thing to do, but I was more interested in letting God talk than, than me talking. <laughs> well, and you know that God comes in many different ways, don't you think, Jerry? Yeah. You know, and and I think sometimes we have to figure out how to be awake enough to hear it. I mean, did you ever think that someone would stop and say, "I want to make a movie of your life"? Yes, I did. <laughs> I thought everything that is happening would happen because I knew the power of the experience. I did. I mean, I don't say that immodestly. I knew. I knew by what it what happened and by the power that you know with which it happened that yes it's the it's the sort of quintessential mythic journey that we're all on and it you know it's it's the fairy tale in real life it's what we're all here and sense i mean why do we believe in happily ever after why what is, what is what part of us loves the happy ending in the movie because it's our birthright it's who we are you know the stories the cinderella tales that's who we are. And so I knew this was of that vein, and I knew it was so much larger than me that I trusted that that is the stuff of, that, that we're made of. It's the stuff that makes us come alive, and I knew it would touch the world. And again, I say that with absolute humility because I didn't feel like I was ever running the show. I was just a willing participant. And, and you know what? That's a huge statement and so important uh, you know, for all of us. Uh, it's really the knowing of, uh, you know, it's really no the knowing of the journey without the ego stepping in to flash itself at us, I think, at some level. Uh, and to really be able to, to look at your life now, what you've developed so far, uh, what people um, are looking at this as an inspiration to shape and carve out their their lives as well. So today, as you look at your life, and, you know, we stand here with, first of all, you know, an amazing book, a, a fabulous, fabulous message for people. And, and then the, the art that you created, you know, how do all of these thing comes, things come together to, you know, to talk to the issue of this now becoming a new level of amazingly creative 
um, j- exploration, journey, inspiration for you as well as for other people? Well, you know, I think if I think when we have gone through the the event ourselves, when we have when we have had our own breakthrough, our own internal change. You know, the expression that comes out of that will always completely express the totality. I have this wonderful little Zen saying stuck on my wall here that says, Die while alive and be completely dead. Then do what you will. All will be good. And I think, you know, if we've gone through that within ourselves, we, we're, we've, we've learned it, it requires that we learn to listen. And listening and responding to that listening in a creative way, in an imaginative way, our creations reflect the, the, the source. And so, you know, in that way, everything reflects the, the totality of the journey. And it's a very individual thing. I mean, we don't have to sit around trying to figure all this out and how to be an individual. In fact, true individuality is, is the most terrifying of all possibilities because what it requires is no reference point in the real world. It can't look like anything we know, which really scares the hell out of most of us. I mean, it's, a, it's like the very, very difficult thing of our being that we have to give ourselves to. As difficult it is as it is in the beginning, it becomes our unique dance in the world later once we've fully accepted it. Jerry... Uh, I, this is I, I love the conversation we're having. We're going to take a short break here for a minute on the Dr. Pat Show, uh, Talk Radio to Thrive By. I am so thrilled and honored Jerry uh, Wenstrom is joining me here today for a show on personal transformation. Uh, you know, this, this conversation is so timely, so important for so many of us. And knowing that we have within us, what we need to create the most amazing lives right here on Earth. When we return, we'll be talking with Jerry about, you know, how to look at the day-to-day of what we do, our daily tasks, our relationships. How do we do this with gusto, with vigor? And, you know, how do we do this and stay as immensely creative as we surely are. Let's take a short break here on the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. For more information about us, go to our website, www.thedrpatshow.com. We'll be right back with the show. Discover what the meaning behind sacred spiritual space is and how it can be a healing part of your garden or home environment. Mary Fonts, registered nurse and landscape specialist, teaches about using nature, artifacts, healing energy, and angel readings to create sacred space. A spiritual garden offers methodologies that bring peace and healing to your special place. Call 508-339-5444 and visit aspiritualgarden.com. That's aspiritualgarden.com. You want to help people, and you know that the angels can help. You understand that as each person heals, our world takes a step towards peace. Become a certified angelic life coach and learn how to guide others in their healing with help from the angels. AngelsTeach.com offers a comprehensive six-month teleclass training program that can launch you into a career with angels right from your home. For more information or to register, visit AngelsTeach.com. HeartPlanet.com, a positive, focused social network. Become a member, post your profile, and meet friends who treat others well and live their best life. Join and post a profile for your positive-based business, book, music, or creative project. 
Let the world know what you're up to. Go to heart-planet.com. A positive focus on meeting people. A positive focus on entertainment. Connect. Be entertained. Be inspired. heart-planet.com. Be the first to join your favorite Hay House authors on the next I Can Do It at Sea. Come aboard a luxurious cruise ship and meet Greg Braden, Brian Weiss, Sonia Choquette, and many more. The seven-night cruise to Alaska on July 11th through 18th, 2009 includes soul-nourishing workshops, spiritual cinema movies in your cabin, autograph sessions, and amazing ports of call. This is a vacation you'll never forget. Cabins are limited. Reserve today. HayHouse.com. Are you going through a divorce? A 24-7 resource center called FreshStartAfterDivorce.com has been created to support you during and after divorce. It's packed with resources, articles, and tips from experts nationwide. As a business personal coach who specializes in divorce and founder of the National Association of Divorce for Women and Children, Joni Winberg's mission is to provide the support and encouragement you need to move your life forward. You don't have to face this challenging time alone. Go to FreshStartAfterDivorce.com. MBSConnect.com, Mind Body Soul Connect, is an innovative and interactive wellness resource company. The mission of MBS Connect is to help America be well by providing easy access to progressive programs, products, and providers. MBS Connect is building networks of wellness providers nationwide using all types of modalities who want to be part of the wellness revolution. To find a provider in your area, call 888 398 9287 or visit mbsconnect.com. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. And, you know, tonight we're talking about personal transformation. Uh, Jerry Wenstrom joining me here today. He is the author of The Inspired Heart, An Artist's Journey of Transformation. And, you know, we've talked a bit about his journey, about the book, about the stories in it. And we've even touched on why this is, you know, such a, such an important message, you know, today in what we're faced in, in, in our culture and our society and across the globe. And, you know, Jerry, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thanks for spending this time with us. Um, you know, as we take a look and we look at the book and we look at, you know, the many things that we've already talked about, um, you know, the thing that comes up for me in talking about leap of faith or quantum leap is this idea of trust. And at the one hand, we hear we must trust in order for that leap to manifest. On the other hand, we're holding on so tightly, digging in our nails, and not even sure why we're digging it in or what we're digging it into. So the question is, you know, how do we learn, how do we learn to trust, especially for someone that might be listening to the show that hasn't had the quantum leap that you've had? Well, I mean, I think... Trust, no one trusts the thing for very long if it doesn't work. You know, I think if we, if we, if we examine what really works in our life, I mean, it's about examining our lives. If you see what really works in our life, I think most of us would be humbled by the kind of mystery and magic that, you know, can happen in our lives. 
And so trust comes out of, you know, first of all, giving ourselves how, in however small a way to, to, to experimentation in that, you know, with that possibility. So in other words, just trusting in ways that we're, you know, places that we're afraid, maybe walk into that fear a little bit. And what you'll find is that there's a kind of, you know, to get back to your quantum leap, there is a kind of mini quantum leap that happens with all of our limitations if we can just test the waters. And so in the testing, what you find is that it holds your reality very well. And so on the strength of that, then we, you know, we sort of, our cup expands and we're able to take on greater risk and, and great, take greater chances which have greater rewards. You know, and I think with or without our, our willing participation, reality at some level will always bring us to our knees. And, you know, in a lot of ways, my journey, you know, it seems very, you know, you know, it seems very participatory. And in fact, it was to some extent. But in, however your life is at the moment, whatever is happening or not happening, like I know, for example, like my wife went through a very painful divorce where, you know, she almost didn't survive it. It was such a huge loss. Mm. And, and the fact, you know, and that sort of, it's her journey was so similar to mine, although, you know, I, you might say I jumped into the death she was bumped over into it, which is, in fact, how most people end up there. I mean, none of us go willingly very often. So, But the fact is, it doesn't matter how you get there. When life does what it does, and it's not the thing you necessarily thought you were going to be doing, to give yourself fully to that process, that's what makes for transformation. So, you know, as, in, as you know, clear in, in a certain way as my story seems to be, it's, it doesn't matter in the end. What matters is that you fully traverse the territory of your own undoing in whatever form. It could be financial, which many people are experiencing right now. It could be fear of loss of your home. You know, it could be anything. It could be your children misbehaving. If you can give yourself fully exactly where you are to your own reality, to everything that's going on with a kind of trust and faith, what you'll find is things will turn around. You let go of control and a larger control goes into place that straightens things out in a way that we could never have imagined. And I, I, I so love what you just talked about. And you know what I'm struck by as you were talking about that? I, will, I flashed back to, um, uh, you know, when I was viewing your website, and I was viewing your sculptures. And I want to talk about those for a moment. I, I don't even, I feel like a little strange even using the word sculpture because, really, you know, these are really experiences that people get to have by visiting them and being with them and, you know, being in the movement and the fun of them. And, and so, you know, when I, when I was listening to what you had to say and thinking about trust and thinking about, you know, some of the, the transformative um, experiences people are having right now, I flash back into some of the pieces you've created how does your 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 art pieces, your sculptures, how do they specifically relate and align to who you are today or perhaps even to your journey? Well, I mean, in, in retrospect, I, they make complete sense, although, you know, this wasn't the plan. I think, again, you know, you're... Your your creation is a product of your of your totality, whatever you, whatever totality you have been living, 
And, you know, as you, if, if for people who want to see the work on the website, you'll notice that they're very coffin-like and, and death-like, and there are beings inside. They're carved cedar, a lot of um, exotic metals and, you know, metal work and mechanical things. They do whimsical things. But the, but the initial, like, for example, I had a, a friend from St. Louis visiting who has a bookstore, and he walks into my studio for the first time, and he's kind of a little Woody Allen guy. And he kind of nervously says, you know, because there are all these beings that line the wall, and he says, you know, if someone weren't in a very good space, they'd be kind of afraid of this place. <laughs> and, you know, that's the initial, you know, sort of impulse is, oh, they're coffin-like, they're death-like, and they're spooky. But if you, can, if you can go into them and you can interact with them, if you can give yourselves to them, they dispense gifts. They do ridiculous, whimsical things. You know, there are mechanical things. There are sounds. One even has a steam engine. You light a belly in the fire, this little burner in it. You know, the thing comes alive and does all these crazy things. So I think, you know, in, in retrospect, looking at my journey, my journey has been so much about walking into the things that scared me. I mean, in fact, I tended more those things that I was afraid of than the things that I loved because... It's easy to do what you love. It's the things that scare you that sort of hem your life in and, and, and make you very small. So it's like if something scared me, I would pay attention to it. If someone bothered me, I would give that person more attention than the people I like to be with. I mean, I, sort of facing the difficulty is what frees us of the difficulty. And the art expresses that, I feel. You know, and again, it wasn't like, it wasn't some kind of a plan but i see it in retrospect and and i'm and i was really uh, you know i'm, I'm looking at uh, some of the pieces and i was looking at them and 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 just really struck by uh, the amazement in each of them and each of them has sort of a a, a a different message has a different meaning and actually even when i went back and i looked at some of the pieces i thought oh you know now that i'm having a different reaction to that now and so when i think about that and now think about the book that you've written, the question that, uh, that, that I think most people listening to the show wants to know is, how do I get to be like him? How do I get to create this amazing, blowing-your-mind art? Or how do I get to live my life with such courage, with such conviction, with such you know, strength in, in who I am? And that's kind of, for me, you know, bringing this around, you know, part of the question for for you, because clearly you, you've demonstrated depth of a multi-dimensional level, you've demonstrated creativity of a multi-dimensional level, and now here you are in in, in visible in the light as a as a role model in a sense for people to transform their lives, Jerry. Well, and whatever it is I have found is everyone's birthright. And to do anything less, to accept anything less, is complete folly. I think everyone mm. has the complete potential. And I don't think there was, has ever been anything extraordinary about me or my life. I think I simply gave myself to the what was in my life. So for someone to try and be like me, it would be the, probably the most ridiculous thing possible <laughs> because it's not going to happen. What they need to be is like themselves because, again, that unique expression in the world is just waiting to happen. And most of what we do is actually interfering with it because we're buffering ourselves against our fears more than actually giving ourselves to the creative unknowing. 
So anyone can do what I did in their own particular way. And, and if there's any simpler message, any simple message that comes out of this, that is it. You're in the best seat in the house. And I love what you said. I mean, and this is this is really the, the dilemma right now for people. And, and it's this idea that there are a handful of people doing really well and the rest of us are not. And what you just shared is the fact that, you know, what you've created, the level of creativity, how you've taken your life um, to be a symbol for freedom is really the birthright of all of us. Yeah, and I think there's a really important component to the process as well, and it's, all, and it's knowing that you can't get there from here, you know, and so knowing that it becomes about almost, you know, whether you're religious or not religious, it becomes a living prayer. You sort of, you're, you embody your prayer by knowing there's more, by wanting more and beauty in your life, and by constantly asking for it. You know, instead of focusing our attention on things and security and all of the, you know, the, the reasonable things we were taught to focus on, what if we lived our life in the prayerful way where we asked for beauty, we ask for greater beauty, we ask for greater liberation. You know, and we most of us get what we ask for. But you know, what we've asked for is so empty that it leaves us empty. And so what if we what if we asked for something more? What if we asked for the return of that beautiful, lively innocence we had as young people? I mean that's a very real possibility. It becomes a conscious innocence that we that we then inhabit, that we then it's such a part of our life. We look at the mystery like it's our, like it's our parents. As a child looks to their parents, you know, and we trust it, and it and it delivers, and it comes out of that kind of invocation, living our invocation, living our prayer, being humble enough to to, to you know to let go of control and to trust, and then to listen and watch for the results of those invocations. And you know, Jerry, this is you know, first of all, it's a great conversation. I want to make sure that everybody. Uh, tuning into the show right now uh, knows that Jerry Winstrom is my very special guest tonight. Uh, and as we've been talking about, we've been talking, of course, about the you know his book, The Inspired Heart: An Artist's Journey of Transformation. Uh, we've also been talking about his art, his life, and, and many dimensions of challenges that you know he's faced and have uh, has overcome. I want to make sure everybody out there has got the website handsofalchemy.com, handsofalchemy.com. You can check it out. Um, go ahead and take a look at what Jerry's up to. Certainly look at the work that he has out there, programs. He's got seminars as well. Uh, and so there's lots of information here and most definitely uh, a copy of the book. Uh, and Jerry, thank you again for joining us here tonight. Uh, in, you know, there are... There are many things that I could talk about and I could ask you. I want to ask you this question as we kind of, you know, wind down. How can our listeners, how can our listeners tune in to those, that voice, that voice that then creates a pivotal point in our lives? How can they tap into that voice so that they too get the message that there is time, you know, this is the time for a change? This is the time for a leap of faith. This is the decision, the insight, the moment of clarity that they've been waiting for, even when it may show up as, wow, I have to destroy my art. 
Well, yeah, and I don't think anyone's going to have to destroy their No, <laughs> metaphorically, so to, yeah. Yeah, so to speak. Well, you know, Ramakrishna has a story. Someone went to this great teacher and said, and kept bugging him and said, how do I find God? How do I find God? So at one point, the teacher takes the person's head and sticks it under the water, and when the person came up gasping for air, it says, when you want God as much as you wanted air, you will find God. So I think, you know, very often when we're tired of our distractions, when, we're, you know, when they're no longer giving us life and actually taking our life, when we're tired of control, when all of our control leads to nothing, I think, you know, very often that's what it takes for people to actually get there. But how do you consciously participate with a kind of holy longing? You have to want something more, and you have to know it's your birthright. And I think as we grow older, it becomes even more difficult. We forget how beautiful life even was. And we settle for such a dead reality that we don't even know the difference. We become among the living dead. So to know that there's more and to, and to, and to invoke it and to ask for it and to do everything in our power to get there, you know, you start to eliminate useless distractions. You stop creating useless suffering for yourself. You give yourself time for contemplation and time for creativity and time for things that are just about you and the mystery and you and your God, whatever you want to call it. I think it's about a priority. You know, look what we're doing with our energies, and you'll find out why we're lost. Boy, oh boy, you know, that is certainly right. What you've just talked about, that is certainly um, a blueprint for all of us to take a look at that, because I don't know that anybody wakes up, uh, anyone wakes up and says, boy, I want to feel lost today. And, you know, some of the work that you're doing and helping people realize that that doesn't have to be, that doesn't have to be the way of life. You know, this has been an extraordinary conversation, and, you know, certainly your journey is extraordinary. And and so, I, you know, what's next for you? What's on the horizon? You know, what's your vision from this point on? Well, I, I feel like my life is unfolding in the way exactly as it needs to. I mean, I mentioned earlier, like when I was asked to write the book, I was really, I couldn't even tell my own story anymore. So I think reality is unfolding in the way that it needs to. You know, right now I was asked, I was um, approached by an audio book company, so I'm actually out in my tower reading my book all day long for the audio book. I mean, there are lots of new things. I'm involved with an organization in New York um, called Stay Inspired, where these people are creating an investment fund and to support, and, the, and you know, part of the percentage of that, of the proceeds, go to supporting people who are out there inspiring the world, you know. They're kind of using me as a bit of a poster boy and, you know, in supporting my work. And So there are a lot of exciting things. There's a new film, Mythic Journeys, is putting out, and they're using my art. There's a, there are a lot of kind of fun things that just kind of enhance the totality of the journey. And I feel like, you know, all of that is kind of might be seen as impressive or people see my art and it's impressive. But when they get in closer, what they get is the, is the story that we've been talking about for most of the night. It's not the glitz of the surface, but you know, that serves the totality too. And you know, and I'm, and I'm working hard and doing all of those things, but the bottom line is the simple story that, that has unfolded in our conversation, because that's where I always go. That's the place that makes me come alive, and the rest of it is just glitz. 
Well, I'll tell you, you've certainly given me and I'm sure uh, our listeners tonight a lot really to think about and much more to absorb once they get to your website. Um, is your book available just about Amazon everywhere, there, uh, Jerry? Yeah, it is. And the film, you know, the, the film Parabola magazine produced the original In the Hands of Alchemy, and now its sentient publications is carrying it in DVD form. And also you can watch it for free on YouTube. So there are lots of films friends have put on YouTube so you can watch them all. Oh, well, thank you so much for tonight's conversation. It, it, I think it's wonderful. I want to make sure everybody goes to the website, handsofalchemy.com. And I think, you know, in addition to taking a look at some of the paintings, the sculptures, and the process, conversation, check out some of the work, uh, the programs, the seminars that are available. Uh, you know, clearly for me, uh, these are uh, opportunities for personal growth and beyond. Jerry, thank you so much for today's show. Thank you, Dr. Pat. I really appreciate it. You have a wonderful show. Thank you so much. And boy, I'll tell you, I had to I had to really take myself and say, look, you can't be sitting here looking at all his artwork. And, you know, I, I was literally looking at this for hours. So thank you so much for doing what you do. I want to thank all of our listeners. What a great show tonight. What a fabulous show. You will be inspired by the book that Jerry has written as well as some of the amazing visual, visual feasts, uh, splendor, delight uh, that you'll find on his website and, you know, in person. Do check out the YouTube videos. They are definitely uh, worth looking at. I mean, it's just amazing. And there's a picture of his studio and his workspace that, Boy, take a look at that and then think about how you want to transform, transform your work, uh, your workspace as well. Uh, Jerry is an amazing individual, an amazing story, and an inspired heart himself. And so there's so much that we did talk about today. I believe there's something here for everyone. You know, part of this is picking out what you resonate with and deciding that there's something that you're going to do. There's a way that you're going to be to live life full out. That's what the Dr. Pat Show is about. If you've missed any part of this conversation, please feel free to listen to our archives. This should be up shortly. Give us a few days or so. And all of that, plus close to 2,000 archives, are listed on the drpatshow.com website, www.thedrpatshow.com, or drdrpatlive.com. Lots going on. This is an invitation for all of us to look at that which we are willing to leave behind to open up the doors for the unlimited possibilities of the universe. And thank you so much for joining us each and every week. We've got lots planned for you, including Dr. Pat's Green Holiday Challenge. Um, for more about that, go to drpatsgreenchallenge.com as well. And remember, Take a moment and breathe. And when you breathe and you stop for a moment to think about life, think about love. From all of us here on the Dr. Pat Show, we love each and every one of you, and we're honored to be taking this journey with you. Until next week, you know, rise above whatever that circumstance might be in, that might be that's in front of you and take a quantum leap for the greater good of your life. We'll see you all next week right here on the Dr. Pat Show.